heads up because you are in the hoodwood. I'm the Black Bandit KJ Green welcoming you to another edition of Sports from the Hoodwood for February 25th, 2023. Coming up in this edition, another ho-hum all-star game. Breakdown, ins, outs, the who's, the what's, and Jason Tatum's fabulous game. Can the XFL really revolutionize football? We'll take a look in depth at the game and the changes that this league are trying to make. Can Russell Westbrook really make the Clippers a legitimate contender out West? Take a look at the challenges that the Mercurial point guard brings to the Clippers. Is this the Lady Gamecocks title lose in women's NCAA? We'll look at the real challengers for the Lady Gamecocks throne. Are we looking at the Shohei Otani sweepstakes coming soon? His agent says he's a free agent right now. Take a look at the ins, outs, and problems of the first possible half-billion-dollar player. Where will Derek Carr land? The former Raiders quarterback will find a home. And soon, I'll give you some of the teams that may be vying for his services. We'll have the Hoodwood Hot 5 again. The top five teams in college basketball right now. That dap, head slap, and a plethora of takes, insight, and information. It's Sports from the Hoodwood. Put on your crash helmet, buckle your seatbelts. We're getting ready to take off. Let's go. trying to hit me up for money so he can go get a fish dinner. I don't understand this dog sometimes. I'm your man, KJ Green. Welcome you back to the Hoodwood. And let's lead off with the NBA All-Star Game, another one in the books. Team Giannis beating Team LeBron by the close score, low scoring game, 184 to 175. And I'm, I don't know, eh? When I was growing up, the All-Star Game was one of the marquee matchups of the year when you saw Western versus Eastern. Um, me growing up, uh, Michael Jordan and Larry Bird on the same team, uh, Magic and Carl Malone on the same team. It was always fascinating to watch these two teams you know, go head up. Lately, the... NBA All-Star Game doing the whole, okay, we're going to pick teams, uh, Giannis and LeBron being the captains and then picking the squad. But they pick the, the reserves first and then pick their teams after after they you know had the reserves. So they had 10 players left to keep the uh, last player from being picked. It was, it, all of them are All-Stars, period. Whether a person gets picked first or picked last, it doesn't matter. They're an all-star. What does it matter what order they're picked in? I didn't understand that myself. But the game itself was fairly uneventful. Lots of three-pointers. Lots of three-pointers. 
no defense, and looking at the the team Giannis shot 43.9 from the three, LeBron's team school shot 28.3. It's a, it, The game was atrocious. Even though both teams were nearly at 100 points at halftime, I do like that the fact that they played per quarter, that though the running score does carry over eventually, that they're playing individual quarters with the winning team getting a, a, a pot of money to, to give to their charity, which I like that. I like that concept. But you can see that both teams were kind of like, eh, whatever. We'll do this. We'll do this. We'll do this. And it's just hucking up three-pointers from obscene. I mean, at the end of the game, when the team had to hit a, uh, when uh, 182 points would win the game, and you're watching them huck up 40 and 50 foot three pointers, it's like, why? Why y'all doing this? Why y'all playing this way? It, the game was just, it was painful to watch. Team Giannis shot 66 three pointers. 66 three-pointers and made 29 of them. Team LeBron was, he was, they shot 60 and only made 17. And you know how many four free throws were shot in that game? Four. All of them by Team Giannis. And it was, it's just sad to watch these teams just run up and down the court not really playing any defense. They really didn't try to play a whole bunch of defense until the fourth quarter when it was getting close to the to the, to the set score. Now, the fourth quarter is untimed, and they play, you know, I think it was 24 points from whatever leading score is. They had scored 24 points to win the game. And the other team had to score whatever to make up that deficit plus that number to get to the, the, the target score, which was 182. And if you, if you aren't familiar with Elam ending, it's weird to watch. It's just one of those, you're watching it and you're going, what's going on? They're just shooting. They're shooting to a target score. There's no clock. There's a, there's a shot clock, but there's no game clock. And if you're not familiar with Elam ending, they, they didn't call it the Elam ending because that's like trademark to the basketball tournament. I'm not a fan of the Elam ending, going playing to a set score. Even though they say that's the way you play on the playground, you play to a set score. You play to a set score on the playground because you don't have a clock. If you had a clock, then you're playing to the time runs out. And there is, if you're playing to a set score, you don't have a buzzer beater, so to speak. The, the way the whole game went was just really, really disjointed. I mean, yeah, it was a full house in Salt Lake City, watching the NBA's best. And the, team, and the players kind of went through the motions. And though it was interesting to watch Jason Tatum really fill up the score sheet. He had 55 points. 55, a double nickel. That was named game MVP. There wasn't any real other choice for game MVP because Tatum was really lighting up the scoreboard. And, and the teammates were encouraging him to shoot. Which that may have been the only point of contention in that game was, was he gunning for the record? The NBA All-Star Game, in theory, is supposed to be the, uh, a showcase of the, the league's best. 
but in practice, it, it really doesn't doesn't really drive the, the it doesn't really move the meter. It doesn't do anything for me. I watched the last quarter just to see what the score was and watched them throw up these ridiculous shots. Giannis played maybe what two minutes and then got out quickly, which you know Mike Boonholzer of the Bucks was grateful for that. You didn't because he had a bum wrist. LeBron James didn't play that much. He had, you know, nursing a bit of a sore ankle. So the team captains didn't even play that much. I'm not knocking the other all-stars. They were deserving. But it really wasn't must-see TV. Is the all-star game or any all-star game must-see TV? I already discussed that a couple weeks ago. But this is just an overall demonstration why it's not. Now, the XFL... 3.0 kicked off just this past weekend, and I'll admit, I was curious. I wanted to take a look, see, check out the product. This is actually XFL 3.0. The first league came about in 2000. It was an absolute joke. It only lasted a season, and basically hurt the brand of WWE and NBC. It was just, it was just ugly. Now, the 2.0 version in 2020, I thought was pretty good product. But there was one small problem. It was called COVID. It shut everything down, shut the fledgling league down. And basically, most people thought the XFL was just going to be another failed league. Well, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and his ex-wife, Danny Garcia, came together with a couple of venture capitalists put up a bunch of money, bought up, bought up naming rights and the whole the whole um, intellectual product of the XFL and rebranded it, redistributed the, uh, the teams and are starting over for another version of the XFL. And the eight teams played their first weekend, Saturday and Sunday, and watching the game, it was a bit ragged, as you come to expect with a new league still trying to find its way and the players kind of getting their their sea legs under. But the XFL is not trying to compete with NFL. Instead, trying to sh serve itself up as a top minor league. Now, of course, having a nice television contract from ESPN and ABC doesn't hurt. But the XFL is trying to pass itself off as a legitimate viable league, a good vehicle for aspiring players to try to make that step up to the NFL with many camps starting in May, you'd think that a lot of NFL GMs might be, you know, casually looking over the XFL and taking some notes. There are former NFL players dotted among the rosters, and a number of the coaches are former NFL greats. I mean, you have... Um, uh, Heinz Ward is a coach of one of the teams. Chris Dishman, I know he's a, a defensive coordinator for one of the one of the teams. Uh, you have some some veteran coaches, Bob Stoops, uh, Wade Phillips, coaches the Houston team, and they, 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 like I said, it was ragged. But the games were competitive and close. Three of the four games 
uh, over the weekend were within four points. Uh, the Renegades beating the Vipers 22 to 20. The uh, Battlehawks beating the Brahmas 18 to 15. And the Defenders beating the Sea Dragons. <laughs> sea Dragons, what a name. 22 to 18. Only the Roughnecks out of Houston slapping around the uh, the Guardians. Uh, 33 to 12 was the only real blowout of the weekend. The lack of extra points, no kicked extra points. You either go for one, two, or three, depending on the yardage, is how much the point values of the extra point, the point after try is. So that's inventive. I do like some of the concepts. The kickoff, I'm almost almost guaranteed that the NFL is going to crib some things off of the XFL and use them in their product. I mean, they've already, I mean, the, the one thing, the XFL, the first iteration of it, brought to the game that was revolutionary was a sky cam. And that was fun to watch, to see those perspectives. The NFL was looking over going, hmm, we going, that's Bush League, take some notes down, we sky cam. Now, you know, the NFL, they're not knocking the XFL this time around, but they're kind of going, Take notes, crib with the best parts of it, and, and market it off as their own. That's the way the NFL is. The kickoff, where the teams line up five yards apart from one another and can't move until the, 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 the ball is caught, that's going to come to the NFL. You can book that. Now, there'll be some things like the one, two, and three-point line I think the NFL might, might look into as well. Can the XFL revolutionize football as a whole? It's tough to say. The XFL is on a lot more solid footing, and it looks like it's better prepared than it was in its first and second iterations. And with, X, with the USFL coming online in mid-May as to be a direct rival to the XFL, the XFL and the USFL aren't competing with the NFL. They're competing with each other. That's going to be the interesting part, to see what players are brought up from these minor leagues to the NFL to get a shot. And if these leagues are viable enough to, to survive more than a season or two, football, a lot of football, ain't going to be bad. Spring football, you know, you take it or leave it. I think it'll be an interesting shot to see what happens with these teams, with this league, and if it's long-term, vi it's long -term viability. I mean, one season, you go off the season, you know they're going to have enough to be done, be through a full season. Now, if it goes any further than that, we'll, we'll see if it can come back for a second season. We'll see. The jury is still out. Let's take time out. Come back and look at if Russell Westbrook can really make the Clippers a contender. He bought out his contract in Salt Lake City and bounced as quick as a flash back to L.A., but this time for the Clippers. And you know that's poking the finger right in the eye of the Lakers. You know Westbrook's going to want to stick it together. But what comes back after this. Is today your last day on Earth because you are being deployed to space tomorrow? Have you just turned 18 and you're ready to get out of your parents' house? Has your granddaughter gotten her boyfriend pregnant? Whatever your reason, you need us at GottaGetMarriedNow.com. We specialize in last-minute weddings. Active duty, military veterans and retired discounts are available. Visit us at GottaGetMarriedNow.com.
are tuned in to Sports from the Hoodwood, the Internet's foremost location for opinion, analysis, and insight on the world of sports. Here now is the man banned from sports trivia contests in 38 states and four Canadian provinces, and not to mention Guam. Your host, KJ Green. You are back in Hoodwood. I'm KJ Green, and let's shift gears and look at the NBA specifically. A player on the move in the NBA. Now, there's been some notable trades at the trading deadline. KD to the Suns, Kyrie to the Mavs, Russell Westbrook to the Jazz. But we all knew that wasn't going to last with Russell Westbrook not being a big fan of the Utah Jazz or their fans out there. And he asked for and was given his outright release from the team. He will land on his feet, however. Reports have surfaced that he is... Interested in the interest of the mutual from the LA Clippers, LA's other team, but they're actually LA's better team because they stand fourth in the Western Conference standings as of this taping. The West is very, very loaded, and the space between the number three team right now, the Sacramento Kings, and the number 10 team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, is four games. So there's going to be a lot of fluidity and a lot of movement in between these teams. I mean, you have the Denver Nuggets who are top dog right now in the West, but there are a host of contenders right on their heels with the Grizzlies, the Kings, the Clippers, the Suns and the Mavericks all sitting in the uh, prime playoff spots and the Pelicans, T-Wolves, Warriors, and Thunder as of this taping in the 7-10 through 10 play-in spots. What these teams want to do, the one through six teams, you know, one team, uh, Denver's probably not going to really have to worry much about this, but the other teams are trying their best to stay all ahead of that cut line so they don't have to play in the play-in game and waste valuable man time in trying to fight their way into the playoffs. This trade for the for the Clippers, or I should say this acquisition, will strengthen the Clippers, no doubt. With uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard being primary scorers, you're going to see Russell Westbrook being coming, not coming off the bench, but playing a starter role. And as a point guard who can score the ball, give the Clippers an extra scoring punch. Now, will it be the Russell Westbrook who is scoring and distributing and making good decisions? Or is it going to be the Russell, Russell Westbrook who hucks up off-balance three-pointer shots and basically plays as about as selfish as the definition will allow. I'm not sure. The jury is still going to be out on this. I think that it is a shrewd pickup for the Clippers. There's a lot less risk. It's not a guaranteed contract because basically the $47 million that Russell Westbrook is going to be paid is still being paid out by the Jazz and the Lakers. They're sharing that cost, even though they did cut what Russell Westbrook all gave him his outright release. There may be a buyout details, and those, those will come out in the wash. That being said, the Clippers are basically taking no risk. With taking on Russell Westbrook, they're not paying him a big salary, and he could be a key component as a point guard. Now, of course, you know he's going to do this and stick it to the Lakers, who he feels to give him a shaft after the past few years. But let's be honest, Russell Westbrook really wasn't putting up good numbers. He really wasn't being the kind of player that the Lakers needed. And the Lakers, for their own part, besides LeBron and Anthony Davis, really don't have that much depth. They don't have that much 
they don't have that much chutzpah. They don't have anything beyond LeBron and Anthony Davis. And those two can only do so much. Westbrook was supposed to be that third component. But he has done very little other than huck up bad three-pointers, pout, and play like someone who really is disinterested in playing for the Lakers. Now, going to the Clippers, is it going to be more harmonious? Tyron Lue being a former, another former player. It's going to be tough to say. I want to see how he integrates himself into the lineup. I want to see how he runs that offense. If he distributes the ball, shoots with, with a lot more... Uh, uh, shoot more judiciously, with more care. I want to see if he is going to be able to fit seamlessly into that lineup, and if he does, how the team plays and responds. Now, the Clippers are in the playoff spot right now. Will Russell Westbrook uh, assist in that endeavor, make the team better, or will he hold? Will you come with Westbrook and hold them down? It's anybody's guess. Now, if you can see my picture over my right shoulder, you can see the picture of my daughters, Princess Katie and Princess Jasmine. It's kind of an old picture, but one of my favorites. And anybody who knows me knows that I'm a girl dad. Very proud girl dad. Represent my kids' school every now and then. And being a girl dad means I have to kind of be a little bit up on girls' athletics, meaning the women's basketball goings-on, and I was very surprised to see that South Carolina, not being the number one team, but that they're undefeated, having won their last 33 straight games after taking a loss to SEC Championship last year to Kentucky, they ripped off six straight wins to take their second national title. Now, Don Staley being one of the better coaches in NCAA women's hoops, is molded that Gamecocks team into a fierce competitive team. They take down teams one after another, even though they did struggle Sunday to defeat Ole Miss to notch their 33rd consecutive win, which, and continue to be on top of the polls, they had all but one of the first place votes. The other lone first place vote that was not garnered by South Carolina was garnered by Indiana, who clinched their first outright Big Ten title uh, during the regular season in 40 years after they defeated Purdue in a rousing game, full house and assembly uh, assembly hall in Bloomington. And the, 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 the Lady Hoosiers may be a team that st- that uh, the Gamecocks have to watch out for come tournament time. What other teams... Could you think that could take down the game, the Lady Gamecocks? I mean, you have your usual cast of suspects. Stanford out west has a great team. Uh, UConn, uh, Gino the Mafia Don, will not go quietly in any season. Of course, you have LSU, whose one loss is to, hmm, I wonder who, the Lady Gamecocks. And of course, you have other teams like Iowa, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, uh, Duke, Maryland, Utah, good teams all in one. But can anyone beat the Gamecocks? Beating the Gamecocks is a feat in itself. 
but can somebody catch them in the tournament? I still think that this team is, even though they do struggle, have struggled at times, there are no other real strong teams in the SEC. There are no other ranked teams in the SEC besides South Carolina and LSU. So it may stand to bear that these two teams may face off in the SEC tournament and then again sometime down the line in the NCAA tournament. I'm thinking that the schedule makers will try to keep the Lady Tigers and the Lady Gamecocks as far away from each other as possible. Maybe seeing a top uh, uh, Final Four showdown, which is the, 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 the tournament is supposed to be at. I'm going to cut this, but... Keeping these two te- the, to the two teams far away. And of course, like I said, a dark horse in Indiana, you're trying to keep these teams as far apart as possible so that they can all meet in Dallas for the women's Final Four. Now, that would be a, a, a good uh, fi- three of Final Four teams. LSU, Stanford, Indiana, and the defending champion, South Carolina. Now, those might all be number one seeded teams. Four ones in in a national tie in a final four, you don't see that that often. You know there's gonna be an upset sooner or later. Some team is gonna gonna sneak up like the NCAA men's tournament. It's going to be something like that. But I still say South Carolina has put themselves far ahead and above the other teams in the NCAA women's field. Is it their time to lose? I think so. I think South Carolina is Hoodwood's pick with their second national title. And I think they may go on beating doing it. Let's take a time out. Come back and look at is Shohei Otani going to be the first $500 million player in Major League Baseball? Possibility. Sports with Hoodwood comes back at you after this. Your new year's resolution. 2023 is to follow me, The Real Rajiv, and The Real DJ Dream on Facebook and Instagram. And have an outstanding new year. Hi everyone, I'm KJ Green. If you're looking to reach a broad audience of your advertising dollar, look no further than where you are right now. We advertise right here in the Hoodwood. If you need spots created as well, Black Banner Productions Enterprises can create commercial content that drives sales and gets results. And send your inquiries to ads at blackbanderproductions.com. Black Banner Productions and Enterprises. Sounds, ideas, and images of the 21st century. Again, here's the man of the hour, after hours, your host, KJ Green. You're back in the Hoodwood. 
I'm KJ Green, and let's shift gears again to Major League Baseball. Shohei Otani, the defending most valuable player, is nearing the end of his fifth year with the Los Angeles Angels. Now, the Angels have been, if nothing but mediocre, besides the brilliant play of Otani and Mike Trout. And many people wonder, what's it going to take for Shohei Otani to stay in Los Angeles and remain with the Angels? I'm thinking the price tag, $500 million. Not five, not 50, not 100, not 200, 500 million dollars, a half a billion dollars for one player. Now people say no one's worth that much. Well, <laughs> we've already crossed that plane with Manny Machado and uh, John Carlos Stanton and Bryce Harper making those kind of crazy amounts of money. Mookie Betts, Xander Bogarts, all those cats are making crazy, stupid money. Shohei Otani is a pitcher. Oh, and he plays every other day as an outfielder and is a damn good hitter. And a think the great Ichiro with power. Oh, and he pitches every fifth day and has a live arm. Shohei Otani could very well be one of the most sought-after players in baseball history. Now, you're going to have, of course, your big money suitors, your, the Giants, the Mariners, the Mets, the Cubs, all maybe lining up hat in hand to try to get the Japanese star to play in their duds come next year. And uh, Otani's agent has not made things any easier by playing coy by basically saying, Otani's probably not going to sign any kind of extension during spring training. He may just play out the rest of the season. And if he has anywhere near as brilliant a season as he's done the last couple of years, the money is going to be obscene, stupid, making absolutely no sense they're going to throw that kind of money at one player. But they will. And he will be worth it the kind of marketing dream that it could come with getting Otani. I mean, the Angels won the sweepstakes the first time around, landing Otani to a big, big contract when he was signed out of the Japanese Central League. But Otani on the free agent market with teams with humongous wads of cash waiting to throw at him, Otani could clear a half a million dollars in salary. You could see him making $50 million a year over an 8 to 10-year contract. That kind of stupid money makes no sense for anybody to throw. Well, like I said, it's private businesses. They're making the money. They're printing, it. They're printing the money. And there's only going to be a handful of teams that are going to be able to afford that kind of bread to throw at that kind of player. I would love to see the types of negotiations that's going on. The team's jockeying. You thought the Carlos Correa sweepstakes was crazy? <laughs> this will make this let like uh, uh, somebody going, but why did Crenshaw swap me? Nah. This, 
Otani is going to command a big number. Deservedly so. Who's going to be able to win that sweepstakes is anybody's guess. Now, shifting gears to the NFL and a sort of sweepstakes in itself is where former Raiders quarterback Derek Carr is going to land. Now, Carr, who has played his last nine seasons in with the Raiders from Oakland and Las Vegas, was given his outright release by the Raiders just a few days ago. Now, they were there was negotiations for a possible trade to New Orleans, and Carr, who had a no-trade provision in his contract, nixed that. Where would Derek Carr land? This isn't the Hoodwood Hot Five, but let me give you the teams that I think would be the best fit for Derek Carr. Start off with Houston. Now, the Texans are a mess. Everybody knows that. One can just picture Derek Carr playing in the same uniform that his older brother David once played in. It may be a decent scenario, but unrealistic. The Texans are way, way, way too far down to make any kind of real serious playoff run, and you think that Carr would want to be with a contender or somebody who looked like they could contend. And you have the Carolina Panthers. New, court, new uh, coach in Frank Wright. Not a really stable quarterback uh, scenario there. I mean, if you can't beat out Baker, if you can't beat out Sam Darnold, something's wrong. But that's another team that is kind of on the fence in contention. Even though they be playing in the weak NFC South, it's still not the ideal situation for a team, for a quarterback to land in. And you have the New York Jets. The Jets are an intriguing situation. They have a great defense. They have a decent running game. Their quarterback situation is putrid. And Robert Salah is on the hot seat. If that team doesn't win, and soon he's going to be out of a job. Derek Carr is a little thin-skinned, though. Facing the New York media would not be the kind of situation that he would like to be in. That would be a mess in itself. You have Indianapolis Colts, another team with a new coach. Now, that team also has quarterback problems of its own. They don't have a, a, a legit starting quarterback. They also have a weak wide receiver core. Not taking away from Alec Pierce or Bearcat, but their wide receiving core is very, very weak. And then you have Washington. Now, that's a, an intriguing situation. Now, yeah, the commanders have Carson Wentz at quarterback, but do you really think that Carson Wentz is really going to stand the test of time? He's bounced so many different places, and I don't think he would be able to stand up. Derek Carr with a very fascinating Washington offense. Could you imagine him there with Eric Bieniemy as offensive coordinator? Hmm. Could Washington be the best fit for Derek Carr? I think so. Could Derek Carr go land anywhere? There's also other teams in contention like New Orleans. Could possibly go to San Francisco, Seattle. There's a number of teams that may be interested in Derek Carr services. With where he will land at is anybody's guess. 
the house money, at least my house money, whatever two nickels you want to put, put out there for a bet, I think would be Washington. I think it would be the best fit for him. And I think the combination of a, of a good, off, a great offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy, good pieces in the, in the uh, uh, running game and receiving game might be the best fit for Derek Carr. But it's still anybody's guess. No one will know, at least for another month. Let's take our final timeout. Come back with Hoodwood Hot Five, Fat Dap, Head Slap, and the final word from the week. Sports from the Hoodwood Heads down the home stretch after this. Is today your last day on Earth because you are being deployed to space tomorrow? Have you just turned 18 and you're ready to get out of your parents' house? Has your granddaughter gotten her boyfriend pregnant? Whatever your reason, you need us at GottaGetMarriedNow.com. We specialize in last-minute weddings. Active duty, military veterans and retired discounts are available. Visit us at GottaGetMarriedNow.com. Hi everyone, I'm KJ Green. If you're looking to reach a broad audience for your advertising dollar, look no further than where you are right now. You can advertise right here in the Hoodwood. If you need spots created as well, Black Banner Productions Enterprises can create commercial content that drives sales and gets results. You can send your inquiries to ads at blackbanderproductions.com. Black Banner Productions and Enterprises. Sounds, ideas, and images of the 21st century. Your New Year's resolution for 2023 is to follow me, The Real Rajim, and The Real DJ Dream on Facebook and Instagram. And have an outstanding new year. commentary, insight, and opinions on the world of sports. Here now live in living color, black by popular demand, your host, KJ Green. Rounding third and headed for Let's finish up strong with the Hot Five, Fat Dab, Head Slap, and the final word from the wood. This week's Hoodwood Hot Five is once again the top five college basketball teams right now, as determined by the Hoodwood Power Index. What's the Hoodwood Power Index, you say? Just the five teams I think are the best in the country right now. No sh- no uh, new teams in the Hoodwood Hot Five, but there is a bit of a shuffle. Our number five team, falling for number four, is Purdue. The Boilermakers, who are, you'll see the record, listed right here, are looking over their shoulders at a fast-closing Northwestern. Now, I've already extolled the virtues of the Northwestern Wildcats, and Purdue is trying to keep the Wildcats at arm's length so they can be a number one seed in the Big Ten tournament come next month. Our number 14, down from number three last week, is UCLA. Now, the Bruins... How is this team ranked 8th in the tourney bracket preview, even though they're leading the Pac-12? Make this make sense. 
I know that their law they lost to Arizona fifty eight to fifty two in a grinder game in uh Tucson last month. That being said, UCLA really hasn't had any kind of other really bad pratfalls in its season. And they're ranked number four in the national uh in the national polls. How does do you equate that as a number eight turning bracket preview number? And of course, Mick Cronin, never a fan of the NCAA tourney, selection committee, sounded off about it. And you know that his team's going to get punished come selection Sunday. The selection committee doesn't like being poked and prodded. Don't poke the bear, Mick. Don't do it. Our number three team was last week's number one team, Alabama. Now, they took a nasty pratfall against Tennessee, and now we're trying to hold off Texas A&M. Now, that will be a showdown March 4th in College Station. That'll be an interesting game. Can Alabama keep Texas A&M off its tail and get a number one seed in the SEC tournament? Our number two team is the biggest jump. It's Kansas. Yes, the Jayhawks. They won five straight, and they took a, a deserved big jump after roll wins at Baylor and at TCU, two tough venues in the Big 12. Kansas is rounding it, itself out nicely and looks poised to defend their national title. Our number one team in the Hoodwood Hot Five, basketball, college basketball teams right now, <sighs> hurts my heart to say it, but it's Houston. Ugh. Everybody knows how much I loathe the Cougars and their, their reprobate coach, Kelvin Sampson. But name me a better team in the nation right now. I mean, seriously, name me a better team than the Houston Cougars right now. I can't stand them, but I won't deny that they are the best team right now. We'll see how that shakes out in the tournament. That's my high five. What's yours? Now let's turn to our Fat Dap Head Slap of the Week. Our Fat Dap of the Week goes to Mac McClung of the Delaware Bluecoats slash Philadelphia 76ers. He's on a two-way contract with the pro team. He became the first NBA G League player to win the NBA Slam Dunk Contest. Now, let's see if I can do this right. <clears throat> Hopefully we're looking at Highlights of Mac McClung's absolutely sick first dunk. Are you kidding me? <sighs> to, to quote to quote the line from Macklemore, that's a cold ass white boy. Mac McClung has been doing some absolutely sick dunks since he played back in the day at Georgetown. Then he transferred to Texas Tech. And he's been bouncing around the NBA for the last couple three years, but his skills are undeniable. Wow. He scored a 50 on 19 of his 20 scores from the judges. A lone 49 in the second round was the only thing that kept him from being perfect. Mac McClung, Hoodwood salutes you. What a dunk. Not because he's a white boy, not because he's 6'2", but because he is just ice cold. Now, our head slap of the week is kind of a minor one, but it goes to Butler University. 
the Indianapolis Bay School, playing in variable Hinkle Fieldhouse, took a loss. What's the big deal, you say? What's the big deal about a loss? To Georgetown! Are you kidding me? Georgetown couldn't be the little sisters of poor on the road. But they go to Indianapolis and knock off Butler. Patrick Ewing is about one foot out the door because they're going to get rid of him because the team has been playing so poorly. The team can't win on the road, having lost 22 on the ro- in a row on the road. But they go to Hinkle and beat Butler. Make it make sense. Butler, come on. Y'all better than that. Head slap. What's the matter with your slappy? Head slapped a butler for just shaming themselves with that loss. And now, without much further ado, let's go to the final word from the wood. Now, you're not going to find too much coverage of NASCAR in the hood, Wood. It's not that I don't appreciate the sport. It's just something that I don't take a lot of time to follow and cover. But I think I'll make an exception at this time. Now, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. won the 2023 Daytona 500. It was his third NASCAR win and his first since winning the Coke Zero 400 in 2017. And you say, why am I bringing up an obscure racer when hitting the jackpot, winning the biggest race in NASCAR every season? It's not because of the driver. It's because of the team owner. His team owner is Brad Darty. Now, you may know Brad Darty as a one-time basketball player, played uh, eight years for the Cleveland Cavaliers, had his number retired by the team, and was considered one of the best big men to have played for that organization until back injuries derailed his career. Now, Brad Darty wore number 43 in honor of Richard Petty. Brad Darty being from Black Mountain, North Carolina, and made no secret that he was a big NASCAR fan. When he got out of playing basketball, he began uh, fielding his interest in NASCAR and became a principal owner of a race team. Him and Michael Jordan, imagine that, are the only primarily black uh, owners of NASCAR teams. But, Brad Darty became the first principal black owner to have a Daytona 500 win. Now, this being Black History Month, I thought it was apropos that a black owner would be uh, out front at the Daytona 500, winning it. But the best thing about it was, even though it was played up some, it wasn't a big deal. Brad Doherty's been around NASCAR for a while, and it's been considered one of the best younger owners, even though he's 57, but he is one of the more established owners in NASCAR, and he's one of the more respected ones. So his team getting a coveted twenty uh, coveted Daytona 500 trophy is something to, to celebrate. But it does make me feel good that beginning of the month, we had two black quarterbacks facing off of the Super Bowl. And now we have a black owner winning the, the uh, Daytona 500. I'm thinking that Black sports and entrepreneurs and athletes have gotten somewhat to the point where it's not a big deal. It's not front page news. Like it was in 1988 when Doug Williams won 
this Super Bowl for the for the Washington football team. When he did that and everybody was like, oh, a black quarterback winning. Now it's Patrick Mahomes won his second Super Bowl. Big deal. He's won two Super Bowls. That's what should be celebrated. Not that he's a black man. And the fact that Brad Doherty, as a black primary owner, was able to not only field a, a car, but field a winning car. Ricky Stenhouse crossing the finish line after double overtime in the Daytona 500. Just the fact that they were able to do it and that not so much that it was ignored nor overly celebrated, but just another fact in the sporting world. Nevertheless, Ricky Stenhouse, winner of the Daytona 500 in a car owned by a black man. That in itself is a great thing. That is the final word from the wood. Now with the music coming up in the background, you know that means your time here in the Hoodwood is just about done. Thank you so much for your visit. The show's email is kjgreen at sportsfromthehoodwood.com. Please send me an email regarding show topics, questions, comments on the show, and vote praise and criticism. I welcome your correspondence, and I will try to get back with you as quickly as I can. Now, the show's website is sportsfromthehoodwood.com, which has a back catalog of shows of both audio and video forms dating back 10 years. You can check out the Sports from the Hoodwood page on Facebook, which has the video podcast simulcast, as well as other topics, funny uh, funny stuff I find all over the web, great discussions, a lot of good sports debates, and lots more. Video versions, of course, are on YouTube. You hit the subscribe button, smash that like button, uh, get ring the notification bell for when we publish the shows online on YouTube and we also have more great content from Black Game Productions. The link for the podcast is also on the Twitter feed which is at Hoodwood Sports and it also has interesting stuff as well between the show and I will tweet back. You can like and follow there as well. The audio version is also on Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iMusic and other fine podcast platforms and providers. If the Hoodwood is not on that, your favorite podcast provider, ask for it. Drop me a line, and I'll do what I can to get it there. Special thanks, as always, to Rage Pictures for their production assistance to the show. That's it from the Hoodwood, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Until next time, fellow sports fans, I'm KJ Green, 30. Sports from the Hoodwood is a Black Bandit Productions and Enterprises presentation of a 551 Audio and Films production. 